and welcome to Burkhart Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. Did you like the dramatic pause there? I know you liked it. Before we continue, I know what you're thinking, boys and girls. I know what you're thinking. I'm wearing a hoodie. It's because it's September. The nights are getting dark. The cold is coming. And of course, I have a cold. So just before we get going, I will be talking as little as possible tonight, which I'm pretty sure means we will get maximum viewership because the less I speak, the more interested people are. So with that being said, I shall introduce my panel of excellent guests this evening. Panel being two of them, two of the very finest. Um, he has to be here, but tonight he's here of his free will. We've let him out of the basement. Um, he might even have had a wash, although well, yeah, debatable. Danny, it's been a while, sir. Um, I know you've been doing other shows, but it's been a while since you've been on the main feed. What brings you to this illustrious convention of talent this evening? Um, you're going to show me how to make a milkshake, and so it's brought all the all the boys to your yard, and I'm here, and I've almost forgotten what to do. We've had that five-hour-long intro, and I don't need it because I haven't had to speak. It's a... Yeah, we had a bit of a shake-up at ABW. Chris asked me in the summer, how can he help? And I said, do more fucking podcasts so I don't have to host 800 shows a month. And Chris said, I think I will. And so Chris does a podcast. I do the the two live shows. And now Carl and Femi are doing post-game shows on uh, Twitter Spaces. So, Chris, it looks like ABW's organised for the first time since Gimli left. Well, that's, that's a, almost an oxymoron. <laughs> I'm not touching that. That's low hanging fruit. I'm not touching it. Uh, but yeah, the spaces thing, I, I didn't get to tune in because I was on Monaco Nice duty after the game on Sunday. But um, yeah, I, it's a good idea. Um, you'll have to tell me how it works, but it sounds like a great idea. Was that the one that Declan Rice was was caught singing on? Is that is that the same one? I don't know. No idea. Anyway, uh, let's introduce the, uh, the real talent of the pod. Uh, John, good evening, sir. How are you? Good evening. Uh, I'm very good, thank you. Um, I don't know about talent, but yeah, I'll, I'll take the compliment. We'll, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Um, I wanted to ask you last pod, and I completely forgot. Um, mm. Is the base yours, or is that the housemate? <laughs> no, that one is mine. Um, I got that, as obviously we're trying to talk about football as little as possible, so I'll try this out. Um, I got that when I was about 15, and when I moved here... I remember my parents ringing me and saying, oh, we think we found one of your guitars. And I completely forgot about it because literally moved here and COVID happened. And then about two years later, they were like, are you going to come and get this guitar? And I was like, I don't know what guitar they're talking about. So I went to go see my parents. And um, yeah, there was that. And I think a really old, horrible, like acoustic guitar from Argos or somewhere. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll take that. Um, you can't see, but there's some very bad stickers on it. Um Oh, well, I mean, the band, me they say, the stickers they say Hanson or something. Um, I, I can show you what the stickers say. So if you're only listening now, you have to watch the video. So one second. This is how much we don't want to talk about football. And, and while, while John is getting that, um, he talks about old fashioned guitars that maybe maybe came from Argos. I mean, did it look something like that, John? Maybe. Is it, is it so, a little bit like that? It's uh, they're both the stickers are from a punk band called Amen. I saw when I was about fifteen, uh, who I don't think exists anymore, because um, apparently hippies suck. And of course, the parental advisory sticker, because that was all the rage. And because I wanted to be in Rage Against the Machine, I wrote "Arm the Homeless" on my bass because Tom Morello had it on his guitar. Um, and I think one of my friends wrote "Nickelback." 
under one of the stickers, which is why the first sticker got put on the base. Because I was like, I am not playing a base that says Nickelback on it. Yeah, With it's very, very old, but it's sentimental. And I never play it. It just sort of sits there as an ornament now. But there's many, many guitars around the flat, um, most of which are my flatmates now. But I think I've still got three, maybe four. But yeah, there you go. There's my little intro. You've done well. Splendid. And I, I hope um, I'll wait till John comes back, actually. But yes, um, so welcome to uh, a musical wonderland. We will be talking about musical instruments for this evening. Take requests at half time. And if, if, you stay, if you stay long enough, Danny will play the arse flute. Um, yeah. So enjoy that. Was your cheap guitar a little bit like this one, John? Very basic, very standard, very sort of... Oh, my first electric, yeah, was very yeah. basic, sort of bitch like that. Um, my first acoustic was a, oh, lost 30 quid thing that I probably got, God knows how long ago, um, which I think I went to one guitar lesson whilst I was at school and I was like, oh, I hate it, everyone else can play a guitar and I've got no idea what I'm doing, so I immediately quit. And then ignored it for a few years and had some older friends who had a band. Um, and my best friend happened to play the bass. And I was like, okay, I'll play the bass as well. And then their band broke up and two of them said, let's start a band. And we were like, we've got two bass players. This isn't going to work. So one of them said, why don't you learn to play the guitar? Then we realized we didn't have a drummer. So the other guitarist decided to learn the drums. <laughs> it was a big, big mess. But yeah, I had some very terrible, terrible garage bands with some awful names uh, and such. But yeah, we played a few gigs. It was fun. And I still can't play my guitar at all, but it sits in the corner delightfully, and it holds the the plectrum that I got from Brent Smith of Shinedown um, from mm. God knows how long ago. So, um, you know, it has its uses. It just sits in the strings there. So happy yeah. days. Anyway, um, yes, I, I suppose we can't really hide from the, the, the large elephant in the corner that's sucking its own trunk as we speak there's an image for you all um yeah we're, we're just just to, just to really the main subject for this evening is is obviously going to be about the man united game unfortunately which was on sunday uh danny our, our first defeat of the season um i'm not that bothered are you i mean I, you know I, obviously there's a few things we need to talk about and we will get into those momentarily but my my general I think uh, Jeff, our, our good friend from across the uh, across the seas in, in Canada land, summed it up nicely when he said he's quite angry about the situation at the time. But now I look at it and I just go, meh, well, whatever. And as I say, we'll, we'll touch on some of the things that maybe we could have done better. But overall, I'm not that fussed. Are you really? You're still top. You know, it's it was going to happen at some point, wasn't it? I think the number of teams that are going to go to Old Trafford and win this season, you'll be able to count on one poor, and you don't have to be a seven-fingered alien to be able to do that. Not, not many teams are going to go there. They've just beaten... Did they beat Liverpool? Did they draw with Liverpool? I think no, they, they beat, beat them. Yeah. yeah. So that, that they've. Uh, I was listening to the um, AC Jimbo pod, and they said that Ten Hag has changed the way he plays football. He's gone from the Ajax way down to what Man, Man United do best, and he's also got rid of some of the players that most player managers have struggled with, with it, um, Slabhead and Ronaldo. And so they've they've changed things like that. And when you go into a game like that, and you are playing a formation that is such a high press, I never thought I'd understand the high press until I've seen us do it, and. The entire, we might as well shut the show down after I say this because I, and I've still got the podcast notes. Normally, I delete them after the, I mean the um, the the the, uh, the the review game as we now call it, the review game post uh, notes, and it says 39th minute again when we attack. White and Gabriel make a back three, and Zinchenko 
is either in centre midfield or left midfield. So when Man United do a quick counter-attack, we have no one covering at the left side or at centre-back. This is a dangerous tacking. And then underneath, I put, when attacking, we have every outfield player in their half with Anthony and Sancho. This is so risky. Now, if I can see that after 39 minutes and they've already done us once with a goal, then why the hell can't the, anybody else? Why can't the managers, are the players too thick to understand? Stop doing what you're doing. Because, I mean, as much as I love it, I love seeing it when we when we were attacking and the two centre-backs go forward and Saliba stays back on, and, and, and bring, gets the ball from the defender, or it's usually him. And you think, oh, this looks really nice. When we're attacking, it's almost like when we're taking a corner and we keep one man back. And then when you're playing fast, in fact, I dread when we're going to play Newcastle with St. Maximum or when we're going to play against Wolves and they've got old shiny legs and we've got some other really quick, but they've got other really quick players. They've now seen the way Arsenal's Achilles heel is to quickly attack on the, on the counter-attack. Don't let them have time and then just do it. And how many times in a game did, did they do that to us? Five times, six times. And how many times did we learn from it? We didn't learn from it. I'm annoyed about the fact that we played the greatest football. We were absolutely sublime at times. 47 touches in the box, I think AC Jimbo said, that we had compared to their 16. But it was all touch, no action, because we, we got we got ruined. And every time it's the same, it was like watching Wenger's team at times. Tippy-tappy, tippy-tappy, no end product. And I don't know well, I don't know about you two, but when I, at half-time now, I can now play in my head because of all, all or nothing, I can now see what Arteta is saying to them at half-time after, during this game and at full-time after this game. I can see it. I know what's going to happen. And they, it, they can't let this happen again. Not after you've been ruined, turned inside out, time after time after time with the same bloody thing. So I'm annoyed at that. But we're top of the league. And not many teams are going to go there and win, are they? No. No, no, true. And, and I, I don't I don't really think you can follow that rant, John. I think he is Danny summed it up perfectly. And I'd just like to also let everybody know that all touch no action is the uh, is the uh, title of my upcoming um, biography of my sex life. So if you want to pick that up, uh, look out for that in all crap music and uh, bookshops around you. Um yeah, let, let's drill into some of the things that had a had you know sort of an influence on this game. Then, John, straightforward question: like, is it is it a foul or is it not? And put it this: <laughs> and I'm straightforward talking course, question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, talking of course about the Martinelli goal. Yeah, and and if it well, answer that question first. I mean, do you is it is it a foul or is it not for you? <clears throat> Putting your unbiased hat on. Right, so putting completely unbiased hat on, if it's the opposition doing it to one of our players, I would say that's a foul. And if a ref called it in, like, just a run of play and just blew his whistle straight away and just went, yeah, it's a foul, and there was, like, no advantage, I'd be, if it's one of ours, I'd be like, oh, he's just trying to be strong. If it's someone else, I'd be like, yeah, it's a foul. So I think, to me, at least, it is a foul. The issue that I think people have with it and that I have with it is that, VAR is supposed to check clear and obvious errors. So the referee's obviously got a great view of it. He clearly allows play to go on. It's a really good bit of advantage. It's a wonderful ball from Saka. It's a tremendous finish from Martinelli. I mean, I feel more sorry for him than anyone else. It's such a good finish. And the run he makes is unbelievable. The ground he covers and just completely roasts Dallow. Um, But every goal is reviewed and they go back to the beginning of play. So the bit I'm not clear on with VAR rulings, and it's something that 
if I'm ever really bored at night and trying to sleep, I might look into <laughs> and read the clear, exact writing of the law, is that if there is a foul in the build-up, are they allowed to pull it back? Or is it they're only allowed to pull it back if it's a clear and obvious error? Yeah. Because if it's if it, if they say, oh, there is a foul, but the referee's saying it, so it's not a clear and obvious error, then they just let the goal stand. The, the problem... The problem with VAR and all these sorts of things and everything that's gone on this weekend, because it's happened to a lot of teams, is the level of inconsistency. That's what everyone's complaining about. So some people yeah. are saying just scrap VAR completely. Some people are saying, no, you need to improve the quality of the referees. There's nothing wrong with the system. It's the people applying it. Um, for me personally, I think it's a bit of both. I would hate to be a fan in the stadium and a goal scored because you're celebrating everything and then you have that realisation of, oh, hang on a minute, it's going to be checked. Killing, it's you, killing football. Yeah, yeah, you do. You lose that um, sort of excitement, and as a player, it must be. Yeah, it must be horrendous as a player. Mm. The uh, the one thing I will chuck out straight away. I know lots of people complain about the referee and the VAR official, whatever, being from Manchester. I'm so bored of referee conspiracy theories and yeah. all the other stuff. It's like, yes, they're from there, but. It, it, like Gunnar Blog said something that he's got a lot of stick for is that they're human beings and human beings make mistakes. We were all willing to forgive Saliba when he scored an own goal because he plays for us and we like him and we want him to do well. And we want to encourage him. No one likes a referee. Everyone fucking hates him. <laughs> so you're never going to be on their side. But having refereed Saturday and Sunday league games, there are times when I've definitely got things wrong, but you just go with... Sometimes it's your gut instinct. Sometimes it's the reaction of a player. Sometimes it's the reaction of players around them. Because um, you can't see every single thing. So VAR was supposed to eliminate that. The problem is that there doesn't seem to be consistency on uh, what is being called and what isn't. That, that's for that's for the PGMOL and the FA to discuss and the Premier League and everything else and to iron those things out. Because I said at the start of the season, they wanted to keep things, let things flow more, be a bit more physical. And every season we have this, they bring in some new directive, whether it's about shirt pulling in the box or being more aggressive in tackles or when they introduce no tackling from behind. Or those and it only lasts 11 games and they give yeah. up. Yeah. yeah, and it lasts yeah. for a certain amount of time and then eventually they slowly roll it back. Um, it's frustrating because obviously if that goal goes in, then who, who knows what happens in the game? It's a different it's, game, isn't it? It's a different game. But that is not the reason why we didn't win the game. No. Right. No, that's that, not the reason that we came out of it without at least getting a point. You know, we had we had enough to still win the game and everything else. And I get people's frustration. They can complain about it all they want, and that's fine. And it's always going to be discussed. And VAR's not going anywhere, at least this season, and probably not for a couple of years. Yeah. But that there that's not the reason why we lost the game. It's annoying. And I pro I feel sorry for the sort of so-called smaller clubs because their ones won't be highlighted as much when it happens to like an Arsenal or a Man United or Chelsea something like that that will be all over the press but that, when people that talk West Ham one well the West Ham <laughs> one as well was um, and the but, Newcastle one I mean yeah I, I mean there was a lot this weekend there really yeah. really was a lot um, but yeah it's the consistency of the refereeing and everything else I if you've got the best referees in Europe to come and referee in the Premier League, they're still going to get things wrong. Yeah. Like Chris watches a lot of French football. I watch a lot of Italian football. Majority of the refs in the Italian league are a lot better than the ones in the Premier League. They still get decisions wrong. They, yeah. It goes to VAR. They still get things wrong. 
Yeah. Some things are subjective. So people look at the Odegaard challenge and there's people who've gone, it's not a foul, he's just stronger. Ericsson dawdled on the ball too much. Some people said, yes, it is a foul, but it doesn't mean you should pull it back. But I don't think it ultimately decides the game. Does it, it totally changes the flow of the game, obviously. Yeah. Because, you know, United were, did start really, really well when they were pressing us and we were a little bit slow to come out. And I actually, I think the way we started the game was fine. I don't think we should have gone out all explosive because I think they just would have caught us straight away. I think being a little bit tentative at the start was probably the right thing to do. Um, and yeah, maybe that goal is allowed and we go on a win. Might happen. Yeah. But it doesn't change the fact that we still had enough chances in the game to put it to bed or at least get a point out of it. And yeah. again, I think it was, there's one moment in the game where it was a system error, uh, system error. I'm talking like a computer now because I've been at work today. <laughs> um, there was one moment in the game where it was a, a problem within the system itself and the structure of the team, one of the goals. But I think the other two were more individual based, which is what we've seen with most of the goals this season, the way they've been conceded. Um, and ultimately, it was a few individual errors, some really, really efficient finishing from Man United and, you know, not quite enough efficiency from our players at the other end of the pitch. And, that, yeah. and in the end, when you are playing at the very top level, those sort of, it's literally one, two percent. Doesn't matter how well you play, you get that one percent slightly better in key areas like in the box. That makes all the difference. That's what issue the result. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. And and as I say, we don't want to linger on VAR too much. The only two things I will add to that is the uh, consistency is that magical word. We keep chasing. Watch the Brighton goal. Uh, sorry, the Leicester goal against Brighton. Exactly the same challenge. The Brighton player doesn't kick up a fuss. The Leicester attack goes on. They score from it. It's, it's an identical challenge. Nothing given. Um, and that bugged me. That was the only thing that bugged me. And yeah, I agree with you. I think you could, you could argue it's a foul. Um, but I also think that Ericsson goes down far too easily. And I know we all love Christian Ericsson, etc. and so on. I'm not disputing that, but um, players have got to be a bit more responsible uh, for how they conduct themselves on the pitch as well. And I'm, I'm sick to death of this cheating as aspect. And our players are not, you know, not squeaky clean. I'll admit that. The other thing with the VAR thing it is killing football. It is killing the the celebration. It's killing the the natural ebb of of enjoying a goal. Um, as I say, when I was at the Fulham game, as soon as that Gabriel goal was scored, I nudged Jace and I went, hang on a minute. I said, before you do anything, the referee was stood like that, you know, with his hand to his ear. And it was like, you know, you just, you, you just can't, you can't let go that that moment is gone or you let go and then you go, oh, well, you know, there's massive deflation. Um, that's the bit that, and, and eventually, eventually, I think one of the other podcasts mentioned this, you players are just not going to celebrate. They're going to score and they're just going to yeah. stand there. And 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 that and it's just going to be so saturated. And mm. I, I gather in the World Cup they're trying this new this new technique of VAR or something, isn't it? Where it's automated or something. I mean, that's not going to go wrong, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. No. Honestly, anyway. The game, Chris. The, the, this nonsense of oh, it's the, it's only the start of the game. That's not a yellow. I mean, sixth minute, Jesus is is brought down. And quite yeah. badly, and he's laying there, and Gabriel and Fernandez are arguing about it. The eighth minute, McTominay with a huge shove on Martinelli. This this needs to stop. You can't go here with the rules A B C. Oh, but if if it's if it's if it's early, it doesn't 10 count. Minutes, yeah. and you're rotationally fouling our players. As long as you make sure the same player doesn't do the same foul twice. Yeah. But then you get to maybe the eleventh minute and go, oh no, that maybe you're the first foul your side has made. But yeah. I've, as past the first ten minutes or or however long I've decided that you're allowed to do whatever the fuck you want. 
Yeah. And then there's that point. No, from the moment that you blow the whistle to start the game, the rules must be hard and fast the entire bloody time. And if it's a soft, if it's like John was saying, the, uh, they were discussing it on the Jimbo pod, saying if it's a, a foul because it, then it leads to a goal, then yeah. how can it not be a foul if it stops it leading to a goal? Yeah. And then you can't, you can't have it all ways. And I mean, it's not VAR. The VAR is not the problem. Like the name of the podcast. I, I just, I was in a hurry. I was having a poo. So I just named it that. It's not VAR. It's the referee's interpretation of VAR that is wrong. Yeah. That's the problem. But that's too long for, the, uh, for uh, a, a title for a podcast and not as catchy. So we, there you go. We, we said on our French pod the other day that, you know, it's something that we want. You want consistency, but you, you, we would we would personally like. And we were saying we were talking about Liga specifically here, but we were saying we would like to see people who are actual trained VAR officials, not just referees who have got the day off and have, and have a you know a stack of donuts to get through. While it's a bit like up on the desk, Emma, it's like UFC, isn't it? Joe Rogan's yeah. always complaining that the the referees at the UFC that do the they're not they're not MMA judges, they're boxing no. judges. Yeah, exactly. And that's they been going twenty five years, and they've not changed it. Yeah, exactly. And on uh, just while we're on it, on the subject of because I say we're not going to do a full match review, um, just just on the subject of Man United players, um, the B Tech Richarlison. I'm sorry, but what? See, you you did a couple of stepovers. Dog shit, dog shit. Ninety seven million. <laughs> yeah, whatever. United are wanking themselves blind over a winger who falls over his own feet and scores from five yards. Well done, mate. Yeah, congratulations. Well done, mate. Very hateable face, very punchable face. Um, Lissandra Martinez, glad we didn't get him because he irritates the fuck out of me. And as for McTominay, what is he? Like, genuinely, apart what, from what some is, of the ends in tea. What is Scott McTominay? <laughs> the, the man is an absolute fraud. Like, I, I do not understand what he does. I had some cretin text me the day. He goes, did you see the squawker stats? He was the most important player for Man United. Fuck off, mate. Like, stick the stats up your ass. I'm sorry, but that guy is an absolute fraud. And he gets away with this shit week after week where he rugby tackles people to the floor. Him, he's just, he's, ugh. He's not a footballer. Genuinely, if he was a Sunday league player, he, he would clean the showers. He would be that sub that stands, he turns up every week, he stands every week begging for a game and you never bring him on unless you're like 9-0 down and you're just trying to use your subs, you're just trying to use your players to get some subs out of them at the end of the game. Guy's an absolute cretin. Anyway, before I go off on another rant, let's, um, let's just talk overall about probably the situation that changed the game. So, obviously, you know, we're a goal down, we fight back into it. I thought Saka's goal was... Really well taken, and, and boy, did he need that um, just in terms of momentum. And you know, I don't think he's played badly this season, but it just felt like he needed that little uh, that little injection of of extra spice into his game, and it was a good goal. Um, but then when we went behind the second time, this sort of substitution came about where, for me, that was the moment where we chucked this game away. John, what, what was your interpretation of it? Because I just felt like, and you know, we've said before, there's, there's nothing wrong with criticising Arteta here or indeed players. Like, you know, if you're going to praise them all for all the five games we've won, you've got to take the criticism as well. He was never going to come out after the game and, and say, yeah, it was all on me and I, I cocked up because it would weaken his position as a manager. But do you think in hindsight he'll look back and go, I could have just sat there for 10 minutes because I never felt like... United went back in front. They didn't deserve to. We were absolutely outplaying them. And we got done on the counter-attack. You know, arguably Saliba and, and Gabriel caught out of position a bit. But I still felt like we were in the game. That triple substitution, I felt like we just lobbed it out the window and a 3-1, it was game over. What did you think of that? Yeah, I did feel like it was it was like one sub too many. If he'd made two, 
and then maybe waited another six, seven minutes to make the last two um, or last three, if you wanted to make three at that point, because um, it's five now, isn't it? Then that, I think, would have been okay. Um, Zinchenko, I guess, they're trying to be a little bit cautious because obviously he's just come back from that injury and they didn't want to aggravate too much and he did look a little bit leggy. Lukonga, I'm guessing, is probably going to have to play midweek and they're conscious of being short in midfield. So I can understand that rotation. So maybe he could have just gone uh, Eddie and Vieira on uh, as the the first sort of roll of the dice and then 10 minutes later, you know, gone Tomiyasu and uh, Smith Rowe or something like that just to bed them in a little bit more. Um, we were definitely in control. I don't I don't think the change into that system was necessarily wrong. I just think our players weren't quick enough to switch to it and Man United exploited it straight away. The, the issue I've got with for the goals generally is positioning of certain players. Um I know Danny can, you know, was worried about the high line and everything we play, but like City play a high line, we play a high line, Liverpool play a high line. There's a lot of teams that do it and do it very well. And we've got two very pacey centre-backs in Gabriel and Saliba. And I actually think that their positioning for a couple of the goals was more what cost us less than their lack of pace. And on another day... Ben White, I mean, for the second one, he does get a touch, which probably in the end sort of deflects it out of Ramsdale's pass because I don't think Rashford hit it that well. I think um, Ramsdale was probably going to get a hand to it and he ended up sort of flicking it over his hand with the block he gets in. And he was like half a second away from getting a block on the third one, which is incredible recovery, which is probably why they did sub him off because he had run nearly run himself into the ground in the game. Um, but yeah, maybe it was a little bit too much at once. And I think that's another thing people are going to have to accept with the team that it's a young team, so they'll all be naive at times and make the wrong decisions. I think if it's experienced players, someone like Xhaka or Jesus or someone like that, then you've probably got more... Not that you can't criticise a player. Obviously, you can. But that's fine. You can criticise anyone you want. But I think if it's a more experienced player, you've probably got more right to because they should know better than some of the younger guys. But people also have to understand Arteta is still a very young manager. He's still really new at this job, um, you know, so he is going to get things wrong. I like the fact that when we need a goal, he's not, and obviously the squad is built differently now from when he first came in. So he's well, it worked against really Villa, didn't it? Yeah, and, it, you know, when he first came in, his options were very different in terms of what he could bring off the bench. But now, you know, he's got Enketia, who every time he's come on this season has really affected games. Um, he looks like he can play quite well with, Jesus, you know, you've got Smith-Rowe, Vieira, although I know he had a few miskicks, I thought looked really exciting for the for the brief spell of the game he was on. And even after we conceded that third goal, I, I know obviously United then naturally just retreated further back and were obviously just going to sit there and try and hit us more on the counter. But I think after that sort of five minutes of panic, we again sort of took control and still created chances. Um, and weren't if it weren't for a few, you know, really good blocks or interceptions and a couple of, I actually think De Gea made actually a few decent saves, then maybe we would have got a goal. It might have only been 3-2. Maybe we did get back into it at 3-3. But I think, again, it was more individual errors from young players who are still learning. Like Saliba got 
beat fairly easy with a diagonal run, which is disappointing, which just from what I've seen from this season, he seems the sort of guy who, you know, will immediately be disappointed with himself and be looking at that and analysing it. I think the first goal, Zinchenko's not sure whether he should come across or not and he doesn't maybe, you know, go out and get out to keep with Anthony at the time. Maybe he needs a shout there. Um, you know, uh, Sambi, I thought he would actually been really good since he's come in the team. I've really enjoyed watching him. But his positioning is still not quite there for that sort of role that we're asking him to do. I mean, he's playing more as a... He still kind of thinks he's playing as an eight than he is as six, um, which did cost us a few times because the amount of space that Rashford and uh, Penandes were picking up between our midfield and our defence was one of the biggest issues, certainly in the first half. And look, I know United started the season shit, but, and I hate saying it, but they have got very good players. And they are very quick players as well. You know, I don't like Penandes, but there's no doubting the bloke's ability. The reason people don't like him is because he's a fucking cheat. If he didn't cheat, then people would be like, oh, he's a really nice player and fun to watch. You know, well, it's all, Mark, it, yeah. It's also, it's not only because he's a cheat, it's also because he's got a very punchable <laughs> face. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that yeah. is a very Man United thing. I mean, that Anthony, yeah. the new guy, has got a very punchable face as well. But, yeah. you know, they've got quick players, they're talented, they've got good midfielders. Well, they've got some good midfielders, not McTominay. Um, but, you know, they've got Ericsson, who's a very, very cultured footballer who will find a pass and he's great. His vision's fantastic. And, yes, he doesn't have amazing blistering pace or anything like it, but he's a very smart footballer. When you've got him and Fernandes and you've got people who can run like Marcus Rashford can, it's very typical that obviously he finds his form again against Arsenal. And of course, the <laughs> de- debut boy comes and scores against Arsenal. It's just, that's just what happens for the last you, you 20 knew. years. You knew it was yeah. coming, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, the <laughs> fact I didn't put a bet on it is ridiculous. But yeah, um, yeah it, it's disappointing. But the, the thing I, I, I put out on Twitter is uh, like, there was loads of people complaining, going, this is terrible and everything else. And like, don't get me wrong. It was annoying. We were naive at times and we chucked the game away when we shouldn't have. Um, when we got it back to 1-1, should have consolidated for a bit. Maybe Arteta then makes two subs rather than the three he does later when he gets to 2-1, that kind of thing, and we can go on and win the game. Fine. Criticise the manager for his substitutions, not a problem. Criticise the players for individual errors, not a problem. But like you said at the start, we are top of the league. If there is an Arsenal fan in the world who can genuinely make me believe if I said to them at the start of the season, six games in, we've won five. We've lost <laughs> one and we're top of the league. And they say, no, it's not good enough. You are fucking lying. There is not a single Arsenal fan in the world who would have said that. Because you looked at our early games, you went, Palace away, fucking hell, that's our Man United. You, we, I know they're a bit of a shit show, but they have got a proper manager now and they've still got good players, regardless of what people say. You know, and then you saw the start of the season that Fulham had were unbeaten before they played us. Aston Villa were an unknown. You know, I know they had a terrible end to last season and not started great, but you know, again, they've got good players. It was never going to be easy. And it's, yeah, I just think be happy with what we've got, be disappointed about one individual game, but don't like go to town on the team and the manager and everything else. People make mistakes. Arsene Wenger is probably our, arguably our greatest manager ever. And in a season where we went unbe- unbeaten, he still made the mistake of going for an FA Cup when he should have just fucking binned it and we should have gone for the Champions League instead. And just said, fuck the FA Cup game against Man United, just throw it away. 
concentrate on the Champions League one, beat Chelsea, and we would have a European title by now. We would have gone unbeaten in the league and win one Champions League that season. I still genuinely believe that if you just bin the FA Cup off that one season. So it doesn't matter how good a manager you are or how experienced you are, you still make mistakes. It's always going to happen. Mikel Arteta is literally a few months older than me. Yeah, <laughs> imagine me managing Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? Like, and, and like I say, I you know I've held my hands up a number of times. I, I'm not saying I haven't criticised him. I'm not saying I didn't believe the process last year because there was times when I was I was hanging off that cliff by my fingernails. Um, I wasn't sat in my Diatson uh, looking to shout into a camera, but um, I was certainly on the edge of not believing the process. But yeah, um, yeah. There's two things that come off the back of this Man United game that that I want to ask. Um, I'll say the transfer bits for you, John. I'll ask, I'll ask you this bit, Danny. The, the key thing now is that we bounce back, isn't it? We've got Everton at home next on Sunday. Now, I think a lot of people have gone, oh, well, that's easy. Well, not easy, but that, that's a you know almost a short win. Everton are terrible. Frank Lampard's terrible, etc. and so on. I don't quite look at it that way because I look at it as going, yeah, Everton have started to get more organised. You know, yes, they're not in great shape. Yes, they've got a pretty average team right now. But, you know, Neil Mopay, for example, you want to talk about scripts being written. There's another one for you. But it is key now, isn't it? Especially not just the fact that we play at home to Everton, but Spurs play City, don't they, this weekend? Um, which is going to be a big test of their mettle. And I, I just feel that if that ends up being a draw or indeed a City win, because we know City are going to be title favourites, it's key that we now bounce back from our game, uh, you know, from this defeat and we go and win in the league again. We'll come on to Europe in a second. But do you foresee any changes or anything that we might do differently against Everton? Or do you feel that we'll just go into it and reset and go again? Um, well, coming back to what John was saying in relevance to what your question is, the if he's going to make substitutions, he made it against Aston Villa and it worked. The problem, the thing we are really struggling with at the moment is um, width down the right-hand side. Saka, there's a reason why Saka has been so quiet. That is because he has got nothing. Ben White gives you nothing on the uh, attacking-wise on the right-hand side because when we attack, it's always down, mostly down the left-hand. So when we attack from the back, it's down the left-hand side with either Tierney or Zinchenko, and then we, then we make a back three. So, uh, so Ben White will move across to make a back three if he's going to go there, or they just go more defensive. And we saw at the end of the, the game against Man United that he went right near the end, oh, I'm going to bring on Tommy Ashu for Ben White. Now, he's done that a few times this season, and then we're more attacking, and that's what he needs to do. But if he's going to do that, if we need a goal, you should have done that straight away. I mean, when was the substitutions? The, the big batch of substitution was 73rd and 74th minute. He didn't do Tommy Ashu until the 80th minute, by which time we're 3-1 down. The original lot of subs were when we were 2-1 down. And so looking at that team, we needed Tommy Ashu at right back. And there's nothing against Ben White. He's a great player, but he's a defensive player. He can't do the attacking as well. You're not going to get him run. And when we first signed Tommy Ashu, you saw the, the runs he was making down the right-hand side. He was even putting crosses in. It does make us a little bit more vulnerable at the back. But when you're when you're 2-1 down or 3-1 down, fuck it, you might as well go for it. And that's what he needs to do. Now, if he's going to do it, do it earlier. Or personally, I drop Ben White, or maybe play Ben White in the in in the 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 party role, because as as much as we love Sambi and it's some of the balls he was doing were great. He is no, it's, as we saw with the goals, his defensive awareness for that position isn't good enough. You can't go to Old Trafford with a bloke who hasn't played in. He's only played that whole what one or two games. That was his second game playing in that position. These are the things that he needs to do now. If Ben White does it, 
then Ben, like like our Josh has said that he's done it for Brighton, he did it for Leeds a few times. Then when we're when we're defending, Ben White can drop back. I mean, we've already seen this season when we're holding a lead, he brings on holding and holding. We we have five centre backs all playing at the same time. And it, we can do that with Ben White if he's going to play in that hole. Because as much as we love Sambi, Sambi can't do it. We've seen Jacko is not um, good enough. He's not fast enough to do it. And he ends up bringing people down and getting burked because they all hate him. And so that's that's what we need to do. If he is going to evolve the tactics, it's going to have to be Tommy Astro at right back. And it's going to have to be maybe White at centre, um, sent a defensive midfielder. Because... We can't keep having the same holes and having that. I mean, Saka has suffered massively this season, hasn't he? Because when he does get the ball, he is still doing that trick of going down the right, cutting in and then going on his left foot. And he was doing that time and time again against Man United. And he put some fantastic balls across the front of the their goal to try and score. But that's you need to make the most of these opportunities. And you're starving Saka by not having someone on the right-hand side that, that can help him, help him create goals and, and get those runs. I mean, but there again, we, we lose a little bit defensively. But look, I mean, how many goals have we conceded this season? Is it seven? So playing Ben White as a right back isn't working defensively because we're still we're letting in loads of goals. Our strongest thing of our side is our attacking ability. And also, while we're talking about the tactics, I hoped I did hope that we brought Jesus so that he would go and play Ian Wright kind of role, Anelka kind of role. I didn't want him to play the Giroud or the or the Lacazette. Uh, or, or the Abangman or Bamian kind of role where they're all over the shop. I don't want to see Jesus chasing someone back to the halfway line. I want you to go. He, we've seen that he's clinical with the ball. I want him to stay further up, get the ball given to him, and then just do your magic and score goals because he is all over the pitch trying to help out everywhere, and I don't want that. He he works his nuts off, doesn't he? I mean, that's yeah. the one thing. Him and Odegaard I... never stop running. See, I, I agree with you. I do want to see him in that in that end game zone. I agree, but I also think that he does so much good link up play. It's just now getting those wingers to be. You know, I think Martinelli has almost been the foil for him. It's almost like we've been playing four four two at times, where Martinelli's gone through the middle, and those two seem to have a really good relationship. Um, the Ben White thing, I I can't decide how I feel about it. I know a couple of Leeds fans have said he was very good in that in that role. Uh, and Brighton fans as well. I know Josh has said it. He did it briefly for Brighton as well. I think he's technically good enough. I I just my concern with it is it's a little bit it's a little bit last year again. It's oh well he could play left back. He could also play right back and in goal and and he could also take the laundry out and he can cook the meals and he can you know I kind of want players to fit the positions they're in, which um, rather beautifully brings me round to the end of the transfer window. John and I don't want to like spend too long on this because uh, a I don't want the pod to be forever and also you know it's done so there's no real point in going over old ground but as predicted by I think it was uh, Ellis on the last pod the more we talked about Douglas Louise of course it was never going to happen so that was a waste of 25 minutes but uh yeah is there any I guess the question I'd have for you is is there any concern that having not got that player in that we maybe are leaving ourselves a bit light. We we saw Emil Smith Rowe potentially has another injury, which is probably subject for a, a choir today. We haven't got too much to talk about it, but it is a concern. He is picking up a lot of injuries. We already talked about how much we can rotate for Europe in the games coming up and how much we can or can't rotate. The fact we've now got El Nene and probably party out for a good couple of weeks, in El Nene's case, potentially months, is that a concern that we that we pushed hard and didn't get him? Or are you actually quite happy that we kept our powder dry and went, do you know what, Villa, we're not, you know, we're not paying over the odds for a player that we don't necessarily need. 
what's your take on the end of that particular window, shall we say? Um, I mean, I'm disappointed that we didn't manage to get him. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm pleased the club didn't overpay for a player who only has, you know, a year left on his contract. Um, I saw some people complaining that why weren't we looking for one sooner? Well, because I'm guessing that the original plan was party's first choice, Elneny is his rotation player, and then if there is an injury to one, Elneny gets bumped up one, and then you have Sambi if you really need it, or Zinchenko, or, you know, there's other options for a third to move in to, to back the position up. The fact that Elneny got injured so late in the window is why we didn't pull the trigger and probably why we didn't go for a forward in the last few days of the window. Um don't have any problem with them not paying the, I don't know, it was something ridiculous, like 40 million for him. Um, no no issue with that. Um, the other thing I would say is, although it will be frustrating and it might be a bit of a headache in terms of rotating, in particular in that position, in the centre mid position, you've got to think that it's, what, two months, less than two months now till the World Cup starts. Um, so it's like 12 Premier League games, I think, until the window reopens. That's not that many games. Now, I know you've got Europe and Cup competitions and stuff sandwiched in between, but in between all that as well, you do have a World Cup where you might see a brand new shiny player that no one has heard of and go, oh, hang on a minute, actually, that guy's the answer. Um, so I don't think it's as big a risk as uh, what we've taken in the previous season where we didn't get the forward in January and things like that. Um, I'm 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 pleased with the club that they're not overspending on players because we've done it for so long, giving players either either paying too much for a player or giving a player too much money, and it's got us in the mess where we've come into a situation where Arteta had to come in, Eddie had to come in, and they've had to slowly, you know, move those guys out of the club, and it's cost us because we, for the majority of them, we haven't been able to get a transfer fee because it's just been the case of we've got so much in terms of wages that, that no club will touch them. So we just have to rip their contracts up and let them walk. Um, that's a good thing. They could obviously work more on the selling side and try and improve that. I think that is something that will improve with time. But yeah, I, it disappointing you don't get someone, but you can't account for injuries sometimes. If the only injury happened like first game of the season, I'm sure we probably would have got someone. It's just the fact it happened so late. Um, and I had zero issue with Elneny being Partey's cover for the games no, he's going to invariably lose because he's a very safe player, he's consistent, he can distribute the ball very well, he's comfortable, safe pair of hands, and he's a really good to average around the dressing room as well. Um, just quickly on the thing Danny was saying about Ben White and Saka, uh, I couldn't disagree with him more. Uh, Saka's got a goal and three or four assists in six games, which for a winger is actually really good. The problem is that his standard last season was so yeah. ridiculously high and overachieving. He was massively overachieving, you know, up there with the very best players in the whole of Europe, which is essentially the world in football terms anyway, that everyone looks at now and goes, oh, he's not doing very well. But he, how many times did he beat Malassia uh, mm. at the weekend? Who I actually think is a really good fullback. He looks very he's good unstoppable. No one, there's not been anyone who can stop him. He was, he's winning free kicks, you know, he's getting to the byline and Ben White as well, the, doesn't give much an attack. I tend to disagree with that as well. He overlaps a lot and he gets the ball in and there's, there's quite a few times. If you look at how many times someone like Ben White touches the ball in the box, I think it's probably more than people realise. They just they just see a player out what they think is out of position. I actually think Ben White like, is really good at right back. 
I like the out ball. I like the fact Ramsdale's always got and White is yeah. here because Ben White comes really wide for that to yeah. receive that ball. I like that. And I do agree, he does overlap well. I think mm. the only where I would probably agree with Danny is he, he is a little bit Kieran and that he's very one dimensional. It's getting oh, yeah, he's not, yeah, he's not, he's not as, gonna whip in as Trent Alexander Arnold. He's not, yeah. he's not as, um, like he won't come inside quite as much as Tommy Asu does, no, who's no. more, you know, more comfortable in, in that sense. But I yeah. don't think, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with one of your fullbacks on one side being more of an overlapper and the other one in Zinchenko coming in more. I actually think it creates an interesting dynamic and a lot of the problems for the opposition to do. And the other thing I would say with Saka is if he was playing that badly this season, I'm not sure why he would be getting fouled so much or being double or tripled up on every time he's got the ball. It's because people are terrified of him. So I've, I've got zero worries on Saka at all. I, I think, I think what you said, I think what you said, Chris is right, that the goal is obviously going to help him. I do think he was yeah. lacking a little bit of confidence, but I still think he's been roasting people all season and creating problems. He's just yeah. been unlucky how? with his finishing or his final ball and things like that. That's, yeah. But how do we get him back to the form he was last season? Because we had Tommy Ashu playing there, and even even Suarez. But uh, Suarez gets forward more. But he, I, he tends to think, think he's a winner. Saka, I think Saka is that good that I don't think it matters as much who's playing behind him. But don't you he think he could be better than he? He could be more productive than he is now. Because oh, well, how, no, I think you, he could. I think you could see him get back to the level he was last <laughs> season. But I think to expect a kid who is twenty-one years old. Who played happy as birthday, many games as he did Lee. Yeah. yeah, happy birthday, Saka. Snowboy. <laughs> um, but for, I think for a kid who is only just 21, um, to play to the level he was all of last season after the amount of games he's played is ridiculous. It's just not going to happen. But don't that, you think that- I mean that that's like he's literally at 21. If he was doing that every season, then people would say, Oh, this is the next Messi Ronaldo type player. Because hmm. he's he's that close in terms of output and things like that that he was doing last year. I, I, I don't think you're going to be able to... Realistically, you shouldn't be expecting that sort of consistency from a wide man at the level he was outputting until maybe he's 26. He's five years off it. Yeah. You know, really. But so then, I, I do think talent. there is so much pressure on him. And I think now it's better because he doesn't have to be the focus. Because Martinelli's... Yeah, he's got up. Jesus has come up so much more. Eddie, when he's coming off the bench, is really impacting the game. Odegaard's having more influence on the game. I don't. I don't think you you have to put everything on him. I think he likes that, and he clearly thrived on it last season. But the fact everything isn't going through him anymore is great. That's, that's he's fantastic. Also, he's also a victim of Martinelli's success as well. Isn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. Martinelli yeah. Has, has absolutely stolen the the headlines. That's what I mean by balance. It's far too much down the left hand side. They know what we're going to do. We're going to attack down the left with Martinelli, and then occasionally, personally, I'd like it 50 50 because Martinelli and Saka are both as brilliant as each other. And I'd like to see, you can see by, by after about an hour, Martinelli's knackered because everything is going down the left hand side at the moment. I just want more to go down the right hand side, or maybe would, even swap, look at them to swap wings a little bit more because I'll tell you, they swapping them. There, there, I mean, there was a moment in the game where Saka came around and overlapped past Martinelli, mm. and we had a really good chance, actually. Um, but I, I think the thing is, with any wide player, if that wide player, whether it be Martinelli or Saka, is constantly beating their fullback or getting inside and creating chances, the ball's naturally going to go to them much more. Because you're going to go, well, this guy is like absolutely on fire now, so you're going to give him the ball. And if anything, actually free Saka up so that if Martinelli sees a pass and doesn't take the shot on or lay it into Jesus because he makes a good run, that Saka might be a free man and ghost into space. And that's something they definitely do need to work on is the 
if one of them is wide, the other one, you know, coming in from and doing that diagonal run, kind of like Rashford did to us, to be fair, and taking that space and, you know, running across the back of the centre-back to receive the ball. Um, that's what we should probably be exploiting more. And whilst Saka is being a bit more quiet and, and opposition teams are probably focusing more on Martinelli, exploit that. Get the players to come to Martinelli and then just go, right, and now we quick switch it and Saka's in. You know, do that. And I know it also depends on who we're playing against and how yeah. good their fullbacks are. We we, we yeah, yeah. prioritise their weaker fullback. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're mm. always going to. It's like teams did with us last season if Cedric was playing or Tavares. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, yeah, they're going to target them, you know. Some interesting comments actually from Nuno Tavares this week. In oh yes, yeah, I did wonder the translation on that with how accurate it was. Um, it's, fair, a bit. it's fairly accurate, but I don't really think what he said is is wrong. Really, you know, we bought him yeah. as a as a left wing wing back, and we played him yeah. as a left back, and wonder why he couldn't defend. I mean, defending yeah. is not his his strong point. I got a, a good friend who's who's actually Portuguese and is a Benfica fan. And when we signed Tavares, I said, "Oh, this guy, you know, he's really highly rated." He went. His exact words to me went, "No, tosser doesn't work out." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." Um, so you know, he was not you know exactly yeah. flavor of the month. But that said, where is Tavares' future, well. Chris? Where do you see that? I mean, he he's a he's a left position wing back. and club. He's he's a left wing back. He, his future won't be at Arsenal, I don't think, because no. unless we play a back three, you know, we if you look at what Arteta wants in a fullback, you know, he doesn't want Kieran Tierney. He wants Zinchenko. He wants a Tommy Asu. He wants somebody who can who can defend but offers the, the balance between defence and attack. And, and the thing with, with Nuno is that he can defend in the extent that he can win tackles, but his positional sense is all over the shop. Now, in, in Liga, all jokes aside, he's not going to come up against, other than when he plays PSG, where he will probably get roasted, he's not going to come up against the sort of opposition we're playing. If, if he'd have played that game on Sunday, I fear that teams like United would target him. Whereas when you've got a Zinchenko who's worldly wise in terms of his positioning and Tierney who's been around the game, you're less likely to do that. So, yeah, I think the only future of Tavares has with us is if he has he continues to have the season he's having at Marseille and he comes back to us and we sell him on a profit, which is probably more likely. Because he, he said about that clause, didn't he? He wanted a clause so that he yeah. a sell-on clause. Yeah, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it sort of ends up in a Gendouzi situation where they agree something in January <laughs> and say, look, you can go for five million. Well, that's that. That's well, uh, we've, we've I would that. assume because we got him so cheap, we're definitely going to make a profit on him. Yeah, we'll make a profit. And and don't, you know, make no mistake in the modern market, he's a he's a 10 to 15 million pound fullback. But yeah. I just think in terms of Arsenal, I, I just think I also, I'm also not sure if he's got the personality for the Premier League. And I know that sounds mm. like a weird thing to say. But again, how he comes across in that documentary he comes across as a really yeah. likable, nice young lad, but also but a very guy quiet, intimidating easily. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He shits himself if you and and you know where you watch those games, you know, like the Abue game back in the day, yeah. where where a player just gets Callum Chambers playing it right back against Swansea, where a player's confidence you physically see their career. Yeah. fall before their eyes and I think with Nuno I think that was was it Anfield last year yeah and that was, was the yeah. moment where when you he went, got taken off yeah. yeah and well that was the Forest game wasn't it but that was the game I think directly after yeah. nah. I just I just feel that you know I think unless he improves as a defender which to be fair Igor Tudor was a pretty decent defender in his day in, in Italy I think you know he may well bring out that defensive side but Marseille play a very strict 3-5-2 and, and the, the five include two full backs in Jonathan Klaus, who's who's a right winger converted to a right back, 
and vice versa, and Tavares. And the reason he's scoring these goals is because he's essentially playing as a, a wide left forward. Yeah. Um, and then the you know the, the defending Marseille do is dealt with by the three centre backs. So yeah, how's Sanchez getting on? I've seen he scored goals. So they, uh, they're like an Arsenal reject side, aren't they? Yeah, can do this. He's done really well. I mean, let's hope he does the business tomorrow night when they play Spurs. Um, mm. but he's he's come in really well. The, the thing is with Alexis as well is he's at the age where you know playing in in a slightly lesser league. You know whether I love it or not, Liga is a lesser league than the Premier League. Um, he didn't really get the minutes at Inter for, mm. for the right reasons. Inter had better players than than him yeah. in that position, but. I think he's, you know, I think he'll do all right in, in the to be fair. The one who is doing really well is following Balogun. Mm. Uh, if he scores in the next two games, he'll break, he'll break um, his story. He's taking records. pens as well, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But if you watched his goal against Lance at the weekend, mm. he does a dummy, which sends the goalkeeper literally out for a, for a cup of tea. I mean, he he dummies it. The keeper dives, and then he has just he got a few. It's, it's great, great experience. I think what he's getting there. Yeah, it's really, really good. Like leading the line, and being the main man. Yeah, and especially at a club like that, where as I said in preseason, he's going to play every week. He's going to be dependent upon. He's going to be a player that that is going to the fans have already taken to him, and there's no pressure on him. Just go there, play your football. You know, he's not going to a PSG or a, a Nice who are struggling at the wrong end of the table, or a Monaco who are expected to be in the Champions League. He's gone into Rams, and his his sole objective there is get us enough goals to keep us in the division, uh, and and then you'll go back to Arsenal. I, I do think he has a future, Daddy. Yeah, the only concern for him, I guess, will be how much he wants to play because you know he is going to be behind Nketia again when he comes back, or indeed you know, Gabriel Jesus. Nketia's new contract, make no mistake about it, if he doesn't get the games in Europe this season, or if Jesus doesn't get a rest, he will probably go next summer. That new contract is as much about Arsenal protecting his valuation as it is about giving him minutes. He's he's yeah. not going to play ahead of mm. Jesus, and he will know that. So it's whether Balleran, uh, Balleran, Balleran is um, is patient enough for that. I wouldn't be surprised if he got lo- if he got loaned twice. I wouldn't be surprised if he got loaned this year and then went to Still another. So young level. though. Yeah, exactly. And the whole mm. purpose of bringing these players through is you loan them out until they're good enough to come back, and then you play them or you sell them on a profit, and that's the one that's thing we. Saliba. It's worked yeah, perfectly. Exactly. That's 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 the blueprint. So I'm all for it. Um, anyway, w- let's just quickly have a look at Europe because we do play FC Zurich on Thursday. We're recording this on the Tuesday. We talked about rotation. Um, Danny, I'll start with you. How much rotation do you want to see? I mean, there's certain areas where we have got no choice with Elneny and, and Partey out. Realistically, I, I expect Xhaka to play, although personally I would like to see him rested, but I think he's going to have to play because we haven't got anybody else. Smith Rowe, I don't know if the club actually officially said anything about this injury or about this issue in the warm-up, but I wouldn't expect him to play. Would you Would you kind of go balls out and play some, you know, the Fabio Vieiras, the Inquietas, etc., and try and get the win, or would you chuck a few kids in? What would you do? It doesn't matter what we do. Zurich are absolute dog shit. They they won the oh, league so last season. Zurich, guaranteed. Them. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> they won the league last season. I'll go in more into this in the preview show. Um, but they won the league by I think fourteen or sixteen points last season. Their managers buggered off. I think he's gone to manage Hoffenheim. They've had mm. three managers in three seasons. They're currently uh, joint bottom of the of the Swiss league. They've played seven. 
lost five, drawn two. They've conceded 16 goals in the Cuckoo League, which is unbelievable. They are, they are shocking. Their top goal scorers, um, I think he's gone to, I think it was Serie A. I'm not sure which team he's gone to. They are absolute pony. They've had a couple of, they had the Champions League qualifiers. They got knocked out. They got smashed by... Um, um, Quarabag, I think it is that the the, the, um, the the magnificent Azerbaijani team. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so it's going to be easy, but it's going to be Eddie. Eddie needs to start scoring goals because he hasn't done. He's he's looking good in the Premier League, but he's not scoring the goals that, that we want. So yeah, he'll play him. It'll be Turner in goal. I wouldn't want to play Xhaka. I, I think they've got some younger players that can come in there and play. They're not even playing at their home stadium because I think somebody said they've got. Was it a concert or did I dream? I don't know. I don't know which one. There again, I did dream that I met Russ Abbott the other night as well. So I might well have dreamt they're not using their own stadium. And he, I that, said, hello, Russ. And he said, hello back. So it would be classic Europa League if they weren't using their football stadium because a concert was on. That would be very Europa League-esque, wouldn't but, it? But we should is. smash them. Home and away. We're going to smash even PSV. They've got one decent player, Gapco, and that's it. They're, they're, yeah, I, I would argue Javi Simmons is pretty damn good, to be fair. But yeah, well, fair enough. Um, what about you, John? You you nodded when I said you, I expect Xhaka to play because, however bad Danny seems to think this this lot are, um, we've been here before, haven't we? So uh, you know, yeah. I, I do, I do, I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm always with these early European games. I'm always about let's let's play some strong teams for the first three, get nine points out of nine. And then yeah. start resting players. Get the job done first. So would you... It'd be the Olympiakos effect, as we call it. Well, this is I, it. Yeah, don't give chance. I, I think there's... I think you'll see Vieira. I think Xhaka will play because he's a fucking machine. Um, I think he's been probably our most consistent player this season. Um, it's, it's bizarre looking at Twitter and I've like, I haven't seen one person complain about Xhaka. It's, it's unreal. Oh, it's coming. It. It's coming, John. It's like, oh, he's yes. died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Don't worry I mean about now it. it's like own goal, red card, banned for the rest of the tournament on, on yeah. Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'd expect him to play. And then I, it wouldn't surprise me if we maybe saw one of the youngsters, maybe two. My guess would plays. be... In, uh, well, Marquinhos would be one. What, well, I mean, he's again. I mean, he's new, but yeah, I'd like to see him play because we don't yeah. really know a lot about him. Um, I think there's a chance Matt Smith, whether he starts or not, but I could see him getting on in midfield. Bench, isn't he, the last two games? Yeah, yeah, I could see him coming on in midfield. Um, I think there's also a chance to, and they spoke about this on Ask Blog. Um, you can put Tommy Asu and Holding in as the centre backs. I would do that. Yeah. Um, you can Cedric bring Cedric right in at right back, which yeah. I know not everyone's a fan of Cedric, but I think it's fine. I don't. I don't think he'd have any issues. You can play Tierney, obviously, get more minutes in him. Would you? Um, would you play Tierney, by the way, on that? Because I, I would. I think. Give it. Yeah, give yeah, yeah, yeah. To be fit again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd let Tierney play that. Um, obviously, I would take some of the experienced players for the bench. Just you know, can bring them on and just give them a run out and just keep them ticking over. But yeah, I'd I'd like to see Enketia, um, Marquinhos. I'd like to see Fabio Vieira start the game as well. Um, again, in the United game, there was one moment in it. This pass he made was just—it was so fucking good. It was ridiculous, and I think uh, it's the only time I've seen Scott McTominay look like a footballer because he literally <laughs> cut it out at the very last second. But the pass he made was like it wasn't even it was on the ground like forty odd yards, just curved perfectly into Martinelli's run. And I was like, "Oh, it's Sesk!" And you, you know, you get the little, you get so excited, you your voice breaks again, even though you're like you nearly forty. You're like, <laughs> and, yeah. 
he might oh. be the sleeper signing of the summer. He really might. Yeah, yeah. Gunnerblog made a made a great point about it that people have kind of forgotten about him. Yeah, like a new and, signing. And, yeah, and and don't really know what to expect. But I I think he's probably more ready than maybe we expected. There's, um, there was there was three, wasn't there? In, in the summer that moved Portuguese players, there was yeah. him, Vitinha, who's absolutely transformed PSG's midfield. You know how good Marco Verratti is. Oh yeah. With Vitinha alongside him, he's just mm. come out back to the variety we know and love and PSG just scored. That's a hell of a finish from Mbappe, by the way. Um, Happy days. Uh, We're going to win the league. Uh, Moving on. The the other one was Paulinho, who went to Fulham, Mm. who, again, really, really talented at Sporting Lisbon. Um, So there's a few. Portugal might be a dark horse for the the World Cup, potentially, if they... they I think the the one... Um, I think oh in the end. I've got, I've got, remember. I've gone big on that. If I'm wrong, but yeah, they've got I, I some honestly, good players. Yeah, I cannot remember. And uh, I presume, yeah, we would, we would have had Ronaldo whinging about it not being. Yeah, if they probably. didn't, I think. They oh, well, actually, if he was whinging, I probably would have ignored it. Well, um, the, the actually, the most interesting thing to me would be whether um, Matt Turner plays or not. I think I think he will. Yes, I mean that yeah. this he he was told, wasn't he, when he was brought in that these would be the games he would play. So yeah, yeah I, think, I yeah. think he will play. But yeah, I think you can basically change the back four, and I don't think it. Yeah, it might look a little bit disjointed at times. But I think because of the opposition and stuff, and I, I think it'll be fine. And if you're playing someone experienced like Xhaka, and you know whether it is Laconga or. Maybe even Fabio Vieira plays in midfield. He could play deeper. He could play 10. He could play wide. Um, Marquinhos and Ketia. Um, yeah, I actually think, weirdly, it's like, who is the other wide man with Smith Rowe out? Like, does, yeah. does Saka play again? Or do they play Jesus, but say to him, oh, we're going to ask you to play on the right today and, and Eddie through the middle? Or, you know, or, the, or do they go, oh, you know what? We're going to play both of you up front. And it's a game where we probably expect to have more of the ball, and Jesus doesn't have to press quite as much, so he can he doesn't have to you know get about the pitch quite as much. And Eddie does a lot more of the chasing, um, and then you don't need to play as a ten because you could play Marquinhos and Fabio Vieira as your two wider players. Um, do you think? Do you think maybe? Do you think maybe there's a possibility that it might actually keep Sammy in in that midfield because I just feel yeah, like po- possibly you know give him more experience in trying to play the role. Yeah, I think regardless of whether we're playing the four-two-three-one or four-four-two, I think who one of the two central midfielders is going to be designated to do the party thing and and take yeah. position. Wouldn't it be better that Xhaka does it permanently? No, no I think because I think the he simple fact is, so you know, he has changed his team so much. Xhaka, what he's doing right now is really good, and like Chris yeah. said earlier, when you are putting a player in because oh they can do a job there and moving someone else out of position to try and fill other areas it then just sort of creates more problems throughout the team and the structure i think you want to disrupt the structure as little as possible and sambi is the closest fit i'm, I'm sure jacka could do it but i think it just takes away from what his game has become the season he'd want to look at that comment from Bert gunner because you're a gladback mm. fan yeah, yeah, yeah. It is more like because he basically he has a guy next to him who 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 does a lot more of his running for him. It gives him more freedom, gives him more time on the ball when he can get into the box and, and get on the end of things. So, yeah, I think there's a chance Lacongas uh, maybe does play. He is still young and he didn't play a lot of minutes last season, so I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world. And I know, it, I know, you know, it's Everton and it's tough, but the thing is, these players are going to have to get used to this playing Thursday Sunday thing. Yeah, you know. Well, the, the, and, the other argument 
as well is if, if you bring in, um, say, bring in Marquinhos, for example, mm. uh, to play one of the wide roles, or Fabio mm. Vieira, yeah. and they play well against Zurich, there could then be an argument to say, right, well, against Everton, we'll actually play Erdegaard and Xhaka as the two, and we'll yeah. actually bring in one of Vieira or Marquinhos to play either side of Saka Martinelli. Mm. In, in the three you know the, yeah, there yeah. is that and, and this is what you what you want i i feel like it's weird because i know we, we didn't say too much about it last week but looking back at the end of that window i think this this is just this is just the time where i go do you know what that either tielemans slash um douglas louise this this would have been this this has been would have been the time wouldn't it this would have been yeah. the time to have had a play like that because then you could have said to Sambi, look you know, you, you're going to get in the squad. You are going to play. And I know a few people said, well, you know, if you can't get in the squad now, then what's the point in bringing them in? I yeah. get that thought process. I do totally. But there are clearly some players at this club right now who are being told you will play in the Europa League games and the cup yeah. games. And I don't think Sammy would have been disappointed knowing that. And no. then you could have kept your Douglas Luiz or your Tielemans for the league games. Yeah. Um, and that's the only part that I sort of look at and go, oh. And, and I, do, I, do... I do wonder the pursuit of a wide player. Mm. Um, we, we pursued a wide player all summer. Yeah. And, and, and this is, and this is where I don't get it wrong. I know we've seen a few bits in the, in the all or nothing documentary. I cannot understand how if you're, you're sat at work, right. And you've got three teams, you've got a marketing team, you've got a advertising team and you've got a sales team, right? Mm. If, if the sales team are looking to do a sale and they say to the marketing team, right, what we need you to do is we need you to go and put this marketing out. And the marketing team go, right, okay, so what are you looking for? Well, we're looking for, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, Coke campaign, right? Okay, that's Coca-Cola, not the jobs. <laughs> go and make a Coca-Cola campaign. They go out and get it. And while they're do- while they're making that campaign, one of the guy notices that there's a Fanta campaign that's really, really good. Mm. I find it baffling that somebody wouldn't say in that position, oh, you know, we're doing this Coke campaign. It's great. Have you seen this Fanta campaign? We shouldn't yeah. let that go. And to use that analogy with us, I cannot understand how modern day football clubs don't have more than like one person, you know, in Edu or whatever. I don't understand why we why we couldn't have had a split team, you know, or a split load of agents saying, right, you guys, we need this wide player. You focus on that and we'll let the other guys focus on the holding the field. That we I think, I, I, yeah, I think the thing is from what I gleaned from the documentary and speaking to people like Simon and obviously listen to other podcasts and stuff that there might be a big team and that they probably have a list of players for certain positions. And I'm yeah. sure midfield was obviously on there and they clearly had Douglas Louise who's on the list last season. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously Tillemans and people like that. I think the moment that injury happened, obviously all the focus switches on that. And I think ultimately the final bit of negotiation Edu has to do himself with yeah. Richard Garlic True. to get the final details and everything else because I assume they have final say on uh, you know wages and you know fees paid contract and everything like else so that's yeah, yeah so it's the last bits of the contract but I think the problem was that because the injury happened so late yeah any club we went to for a midfielder went oh we can hold them to ransom for a price because they're so desperate and maybe they didn't have the money for both that's the other thing we were looking at Rafinha yeah. who cost yeah. like 40 odd million quid we couldn't have yeah. got both done no, uh, no. So it, I think it would have only... been one. Of, if if we if we'd signed Rafinha, I don't yeah. even think the Douglas Louis story happens. No, I think true. it's just El Nenny gets injured, and I think they're like shit. All change, yeah. We can't, we um, can't do anything anyway. 
our good friend Rich makes a good point in the chat, by the way, um, about Reese Nelson. I don't know whether he's fit. I haven't actually seen any training pictures of, of mm. this squad, so it'd be interesting to see if uh, if he's drafted into this Europa League squad. Speaking of Europa League as well, have you seen the training gear for that Europa? Yes, I have. Yes, yeah. yet, yet bit, another shirt I want. A bit to psychedelic, buy. isn't it? Yeah, Adidas. They they know what they're doing, don't they? They know. They're they just know. honestly. I'm holding firm. I have not spent a penny of Arsenal. Well, actually, that's a lie. I bought two uh, club wear t-shirts while I was up there, but they're just like you know the own brand stuff. I didn't spend, I didn't spend uh, money on the official goods because oh, I just it's like just giving a prostitute your phone number. They just won't leave you alone. <laughs> just... And you would know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, before we go, uh, let's just see if we've got any questions that we can rattle through. Danny, have we got anything that we want to? I was busy looking for the, for that new kit. Is it the one that's mainly black with grey bits going through it and orange lettering? Yeah, it's not a kit. It's just training wear. I think that's it's on footy. I know. Yeah, it's on footy headlines. If anyone wants to check it out, um, it's, it's uh, the sideline gear that the players train in. But it's quite it's quite pretty. It's quite nice. I've, I quite like it. Uh, yeah. Questions. I'm going to go and look at it again now while I think of it. I'm going um, anyway. to share questions? it with people. You share that. There's a question there for you. Oh, is there? Sorry, I was trying to look for that training kit again. Uh, right, so questions. Here we go. Oh, I've clicked the wrong thing. There we go. So, Sam, um, John, you can have this. So, why do Arsenal fans always have an excuse for a loss, VAR, refs, etc.? Um, I'll let you answer it and then I'll chime in briefly. Okay, uh, very quickly, um, because we are football fans and we like to blame it on someone else. And every we did that of every aspect of life, didn't we? Why were you caught speeding? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we just make yeah. excuses for everything. Um, but yeah, I, I, look, I don't think every fan has an excuse. And uh, I think I said tonight, I was like, the VAR thing annoyed me, but I think it was our fault that we, we lost the game, you know. I don't, I don't think it was the referee or the VAR or anything that ultimately lost us that game against Man United. I think it was our own individual mistakes and some mistakes from the manager. And it's something that we'll learn from. But every fan of every club makes excuses because you don't want to admit anything bad about your team because ultimately, even the most negative of fans still want the team to do well and, and cheer them on. True, true. And the only thing I would add to that is, um, yes, it does come across that we whinge a lot as Arsenal fans. But I would simply ask yourself this as an Arsenal fan, how many, and put your hand on your heart here, people, how many clubs or fans of other clubs do you follow on Twitter? I don't mean like 10 or 15. I mean like... None. Yeah, Fuck exactly. Them. The majority of your <laughs> follows will be Arsenal fans, so you're only really going to see the people whinging. Trust me, West Ham fans were livid on Saturday, as were Newcastle fans. Newcastle yeah, against I, Liverpool. You know, I follow a couple not- of Newcastle, a few Palace... <laughs> And yeah. uh, sadly, uh, I am friends with some Tottenham fans. I haven't um, followed my friends. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, do, I do follow them. Most of the football stuff I ignore. But yeah, I, so I see it from fans of every single club. But all that kit is very naughty. Yes. Yeah, Danny's just put the training top on the screen. I've just put the link in the chat if anybody wants to uh, look it up. Um, but yeah, good good question. Uh, but yeah, I, we, we don't get it wrong. We do lock a moan sometimes, but I think it's generally across the board. Um, Danny Capo TV says, do you think there was a naivety in our, on our, was there a naivety on our side? We knew United were going to sit back and hit us on the break. Felt like Alex Ferguson versus a, a, a Arsene Wenger days. 
should be played low back as they struggle with it. Um, yeah, I, I, I get where he's coming from there. The two goals we shipped in the second half highlighted that a little bit. It was a little bit... That game was like... If somebody did that to me on FIFA, my, my console's going out the window because they <laughs> it's, it's the equivalent of like it's, it's drop back for the full 90 minutes and then they sweat through in the 90th minute and beat you. It's, it's like no skill, no brain, no intelligence, just force the ball through the middle and hope for the best. But... Has he got a point there? Would you have set up slightly differently or be quite happy to see us play the way we did? We played scintillating football. We were by far the best team football-wise, creativity-wise and everything on the day. We just couldn't finish. And it's, it's the age-old thing, isn't it? If that goal wouldn't have been ruled out, oh, we, see, we'll, we will see goals more of a foul than that that will be allowed this season and have done before. It's just playing away at Old Trafford. So uh, you don't get the rub of the green, as, as they say. Um, I think we were naive because uh, we let the same thing happen over and over and over again. We yeah. learned, hopefully, we'll learn from our mistakes, but we're top of the league. Like yeah. John set open the show with, it's top of the league after six games. Shut up. Well, it's not doom and gloom. Yeah, like I say, if, you know, if we get back to winning ways against Everton, and, and for the record, if we don't, and we happen to draw that game, whatever, again, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. People people got carried away thinking we were in a title race. You know, our, our primary objective is top four this year. Um, if you'd have taken the goals out of that game and got a neutral and gone, who do reckon won that game? They'd have gone, oh, fuck me, of course, Arsenal won that. They were beautiful. Some yeah. of the stuff we were doing was stunning. Yeah, and we started nervously, but I thought once we took over the game, I thought we were we were far far and away the better side. But um, anywho, um, I'll take the last one since we've had one question each. Um, and two, three, five, one hundred. Young players, young manager. Seriously, how long can you use that as an excuse for disappointing performances against the top six until said players leave when we fail to sign new contracts? I do think he has a point there. Um, again, want to focus on the positivity of this side. But I, I do think we do have to step away a bit from this, you know, oh, Arteta's still a young manager thing. Um, he is. It's a fact. Um, but, you know, I think we said when he was appointed, you know, we're not a crash. We're not a we're not a junior club where somebody cuts their teeth. You know, we're we're an elite, um, elite Premier League club who's competing for, for the highest honours and, and should be at Europe's top table. Um, what I would say is... Whilst I don't necessarily agree with the word excuse, um, I do think we need to maybe veer away from maybe we need a bit more explanation or action rather than just looking at the excuses. And that's where I think Arteta has actually come on a long way this season. I feel like he has he's made positive steps to address the failings that he had as a manager uh, last season. And I think the one area that clearly he still needs to learn is is the substitutions, maybe. And yeah, I just I just think that. Uh, you know that those, so those substitutions could be made. I mean, United were going to bring on Fred, weren't they? At one yeah. one, mm-hmm. they were they were looking to sharp shop, and then they got <laughs> the second goal, and it, everything changed. So, you know, one it, one thing I would say about that question is: in the last few years, we've destroyed Chelsea, we've destroyed Tottenham, we have beat Man United. Yeah, I know the results against City haven't been great, but we should have beaten them. Shouldn't we we should have beaten them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Liverpool as well has been a bit of a horror show. But City and Liverpool, as far as I'm concerned, are fucking... For the last two, three years, they've basically been the best two teams in the world. Pretty much. You know, if you get them when they're playing their best, they will beat pretty much anyone. Um, Maybe not so much at the moment, although City is slightly different now because they've got the fucking Norwegian meat shield up front, um, which is bizarre. (laughs) 
but yeah, I don't think you can really look at those two teams as you know, or having excuses for it because they were just ridiculous how good they were. But we've yeah. beaten Chelsea, we've beaten Spurs, we've beaten Man United, you know, and in some of those games, we've really, like, really beaten them, like, hammered them and really completely outplayed them, played them off the park. We've lost some yeah. as well, but that that's the fine margins of football. So I don't, I'm not sure that there's, like, big excuses. I do I do get what you're saying about Arteta, though, but I think he's massively improved. And I think the other thing is the documentary did show you is that he is not scared to fucking rip into anyone, regardless of who it is, in front of everyone in the team that yeah. there are certain standards and levels and everything else that are expected at Arsenal. And if you do yeah. not perform, you will be out of the club. And like he said, after the Newcastle game, um, I forgot, what was it? He was like, uh, fucking shit. Now it's all on, you know, last game of the that's, season. That's whatever. I will, I will, yeah, I will walk out and I will eat a sit sa- uh, shit sandwich again. And I will take all the heat for you guys. That's fine. That's yeah. my job. But you're the yeah. ones who've got to live with this or whatever it was. He said, exactly. And that, yeah. I hope, has resonated with them because from interviews and stuff from people like Ramsdale and everything else, they've all said last season really hurt them. You know, they mm. know what they should have done and they lit the manager and the fans and the club down. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I think he has got through to them. He'll be held accountable because at the end of the day, I yeah. think this, se- this is the season, I would argue almost last season um, should have been the one we got back into the Champions League. But because we missed it by such a fine margin, people went, yeah. you know what, all right, benefit of the doubt. This I think also it was a se- it was a season earlier than expected. I think this was yeah, the season everyone expected us to do it. Yeah. yeah, and this season in particular, I think we we have now PSG are two up. That man is just he is just is so that, good. Isn't that he? Donnarumma Donnarumma save. Oh, brilliant! But Mbappe, the two finishes are out. Of You've well to be fair, Chris. Apparently, if you get yourself a pair of tits and shave your beard off, you know you might have a chance. I. <laughs> According I will, to rumours, <laughs> I, I, I I would do unspeakable things to, to that man. I'll tell you, um, what a footballer and what a footballer. And to be fair, the two assists are blinding as well. But anyway, PSG Champions League winners, you heard it here first. Anyway, you um, are cackerel, by the way. You are god awful. Um, right before we go off into yet another tangent, I think we will um, <laughs> come to wrap it up there. Um, thanks to everybody who's been live in the chat tonight. Uh, we went a bit a little bit earlier tonight. I think I've mentioned this a few times in the pod um, this start of the season. We are going to mix up the times a little bit. There'll be a, a few random days here and there. Uh, I think like Danny said from the off, we're going to experiment with the spaces thing a little bit more or whatever it's called on Twitter. The live thingy, thingy jiggy stuff. I don't know. Nice spaces. Spaces, yeah, cool. Uh, and we'll be live on MySpace and Bebo and Face Party <laughs> and all those as well. MSN Messenger. Good old days. Um, if you know, you know. But, uh, yeah, we will be mixing up the times a little bit and, and we will try and, and get as many of the live shows out, of course, and, and then this pod will just be exclusively to look back at the games. So we will have two games to talk about next week. We'll talk about the European game and we'll talk about the Everton game. Don't know what day it's going to be on next week, but keep tuned to the Twitter. We'll, of course, announce when we are going live. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube... If you wouldn't mind doing us the great favour of subscribing, if you haven't already, flicking the bell for all notifications when we go live, that'd be splendid. And if you've got any friends, I mean, we don't because we're here talking to each other. But if you have friends, I'm sure you do, boys and girls, uh, tell them about us and say that we're amazing. Even if we're not, like, even if you think we're terrible, just, just tell them we're good looking, you know, which is also a massive lie. But at least they'll come and they might just stay for five minutes. Um... Right, before we go, I've just got one other thing I want to plug, if you gentlemen don't mind. Uh, it's nothing to do with me personally. Yeah, um, get on with it. I will. 
YouTube, podcasting, uh, all these things we do. Um, as anyone will know who's done it before or who has watched it before, it's not easy, right? We've been doing this for years. Danny still has uh, some very, very questionable material. Uh, not that sort of material, but of us stammering over our words. And, um, uh, um, uh. We, we all started somewhere and it's tough. Now, take that thought and then have a learning disability, uh, you know, or, or, you know, a medical condition that affects your speech, your, your, um, you know, your thought process, everything to do with your life. And you put yourself out there on YouTube and you do something you love because you love it. You can only imagine how much bravery that takes and how much guts that takes and how much, you know, how just how tough that is to do when you suffer with something that is beyond your control. There's a young lad who one of my friends, um, I'll name her, why not? Uh, my friend Susie, she works in care and she looks after a young lad who uh, goes, well, goes by the name. His name is Ethan, Ethan Carruthers. Um, unfortunately, Ethan is a Man United fan. So this is the worst possible time to ever <laughs> mention this. <laughs> Um, but he he does have a learning disability, um, and and Susie provides care for him. He started his YouTube channel, and he just talks about Man United. And and I just think it's really wholesome that someone can put themselves out there and enjoy talking about what they do. His speech is very good. Um, he loves doing it, and he just loves talking about the club he loves. And I just think that that deserves and a little acknowledgement on a podcast of our size. You know, I know we're not huge, but we're big enough to say, do you know what? absolutely fair plays for somebody giving it a go and enjoying it um so all respect to you ethan keep doing what you love and uh anybody else out there who's wondered about doing podcasting before and just thinks oh i don't look right or you know i don't sound right or whatever just go and do it you know danny will tell you there's 754 arsenal podcasts now so, 183 uh, on my list there you go and but look that, at the state that's... of us three and how we speak so <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly so uh yeah so ethan if you see this um keep doing what you're doing my friend um enjoy it uh just pick a better team because man United's just not it mate it's just not it anyway that's uh that's it for me so uh danny thank you very much for uh taking the time to to turn well basically for turning up i mean you were due so cheers for that yeah it's been a joy splendid and you're back on when are you doing the preview show 4.20 p.m. Thursday. I've had to actually work this out backwards. Terrible. I don't know who's on with me. And then the post-game show will be about 10 minutes after the game. So uh, it's a 5.45 kickoff. Rugby is, time yeah, kickoff. So 4.20. That's very precise. Love that. Um, John, mm, what will you be doing laser. at 8.36 on Friday evening? <laughs> 8.36. Um, I don't know her name yet, so it's hard to no. say. Um, but I might be... Sh- I might be shooting a new scene for my OnlyFans. Um, I am the bearded only. I've decided to start. I think it's a great name. Uh, you're basically going to have Chesney Hawks. I am the one and only playing in the background. I just shout that a lot. Just yeah. So that's that's new career I'm looking at getting into. Yeah, just 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 um, just feet. That's all you got to yeah. do. Um, yeah. That's basically it. That makes money these days. So yeah, yeah if you've got if you've got feet, just do it. If you, if you like hairy man feet and you're willing to pay for the pictures, um, just just hit me up. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll, sell, I'll, I'll, I'll sell sweaty slippers. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not here for that. I, I'm not fussed. You know, whatever, whatever it takes. Like energy and bills are expensive. AB, there's enough of us here now to actually make an ABW calendar. So okay. maybe we should do that. And do it for Goons versus Cancer or something. Imagine that. 
actually it uh, wasn't the pirates it was when i when i worked at rbs years ago we had a, an rbs team we did a, a a naked calendar um back in the day and we, we raised quite a lot of money actually which is the the shape i was in then i probably could have got away with it i don't know about now but uh danny is also selling one of those you know those masterclass adverts you've seen where you can like learn guitar from metallica or learn how to direct a film from like scorsese <laughs> danny's uh gonna sign up and he's selling masterclasses on how to run a podcast um it's not going to be very helpful it's quite expensive but you do get to have danny shouting at you quite a lot whilst he's in the bath so look out for that yeah. as well coming soon da- danny Satnav is is an untapped market that i feel we should <laughs> Sean wants me to do one it would just be turn left no the other left because everybody i know doesn't know left from right they're fucking morons drives me nuts anyway i feel like that's as good a place as any to leave this arsenal podcast (laughs) we started off with musical instruments and we're ending on shouting at sat uh but yeah thank you for everyone who tunes in um listen we're not for everybody our content is very much uh exactly what you've just heard it goes from from one to a hundred in in a split second but uh, we we love each and every one of you uh, who turns up and and indeed some of you who just turn up for one and then disappear so thank you very much for tuning for tuning in uh let's hope we get the result that we're looking for in zurich if we don't there's only one man to blame only one man to blame because he said it was going to be easy so if we lose he is your man all right yeah it's on you danny yeah you can you can make oh no okay he's just he's just fucking with us now uh thank you very much for joining us yes let's hope for a good result in zurich let's hope we bounce back on sunday against everton and let's also hope man city do us a favor and put to bed these ridiculous Tottenham for the title rumors fucking stupid we have been about cup wonderland this is all about arsenal up the arsenal we'll see you very soon take care as soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at him. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>